0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore natad. I want to run through that intro one more time because it's it's funny how many times I've seen what's his Twitter handle and also have no idea that there is a website called packernet.com. I, I say it every single day of my life. So packernet.com is a great place to get Packers news, not because we have writers that write the news, it's just a news aggregator. So everywhere that there's news, we pull that into our website. And so, if you want just daily updates, you should probably just save Packernet. You can put a, uh, you know, you can save it either on your phone or however on your desktop or whatever. And then you just open it up and you can see all the news for the day rather than checking 17 websites. Um, And then, yes, pack underscore daddy is my Twitter handle for those that are curious. Anyways, a couple things that I wanted to discuss. Number one, some good news in terms of the prospect of there being an NFL season. I know there's a lot of um, concern about that. I, generally have avoided the topic because i don't even really like to think about it that legitimately is a big part of the reason the other reason is like pretty much everything else in society we have found a way to turn a virus into a political issue and um, depending on how i decipher the information uh, everyone's going to assume that has some kind of an effect on how i view donald trump which is kind of brain damaged and stupid but that's how we view society today so Um, again, I'm going to do what I do, which is to look at information and tell you what it says, and then you can go ahead and decipher that to fit your political views however you want. I don't really care. I'm going to talk about football today. You do with the information what you choose. How's that sound? Um, and then I don't know. I mean, that shouldn't take very much time unless I get ranty, which I really don't want to get ranty about a stupid virus. Um, a little bit of quarterback news. We should probably touch on that. We'll probably do that first, actually. Trubisky and, uh the old Bengals guy whatever his I already forgot I don't even care you know Dalton the red rocket and then the other thing i wanted to kind of touch on was and i know i've talked about this a little bit but one of the biggest attributes and aspects of Matt Laf- um Jordan Love that i think Matt LaFleur likes is the fact that he is the type of quarterback that runs the kind of offense in which the ball comes out quickly and and i keep talking about how the the 49ers are the benchmark but it really isn't just the 49ers this is across the nfl actually let's just start there because i'm already launching into it let's start with that i i keep referencing how we want to be the 49ers we want to be the titans whatever but but this particular aspect and i'm not actually sure this is another thing i want to look into what where is matt lafleur going because everybody has their own flavor i don't think we want to copy the 49ers exactly i think there's the general shanahan principles that kyle learned from his dad and which is exactly where uh, Matt learned it from, and those those are the general principles in terms of you know running the ball and everything being built off of the run game, everything looking the same. All, that that general framework is where Matt Lafleur is coming from because that's what he learned from Kyle and, and uh, his dad and whatever. But as as I also talked about, the Rams and Sean McVay kind of came up in that same general group over in Washington and he has a di- con- entirely different offense. but this particular aspect of get the ball out quickly it's not a Shanahan thing. This is something that a lot of offenses run that have a lot of success. I constantly talk about Tom Brady and that's how he carves people up. that's the Earhart Perkins system. that has nothing to do with this West Coast Shanahan offense. One of the other things that really surprised me and I wanted to do a video on it, but I haven't quite done it yet, is that one of the guys, I, I think, the guy that gets the ball out of his hand, the quickest in the NFL, with the exception of maybe one or two quarterbacks, is actually Drew Brees. And I keep talking about how Drew Brees is the guy that, you know, he's downfield, aerial assault, which at one point was kind of the big thing there, especially when you had Jimmy Graham. And he does obviously have some big plays, but all of these systems in which you have the short passes incorporate the big plays on top of it, right? The Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky, it's short, 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 big pass down the sideline. But the the Saints run an Eric Coriel system. That's known for big plays, you know, stressing the seams, et cetera, et cetera. But even in uh, New Orleans, with more of an aerial assault type offense, Drew Brees gets that ball out quickly. And so, and again, I, I feel like I haven't said this on the podcast. If I have, I apologize for repeating myself. I've been trying to do a video for several days, so I've said this a thousand times. I've also mentioned it on Twitter. But I think if we really want to look at the potential upside of Aaron Rodgers, the best place to look might be Drew Brees. Not because they run the same style of offense, but when you look at a Hall of Fame-style quarterback, a guy with incredible arm talent, and you incorporate this high-percentage, quick-timing offense in which these are not hard throws because we're not throwing 20 yards down the field, we're throwing between 5 and 10 and generally, these guys tend to be open a little bit more because their checkdowns and their design plays and their timing plays so that as he comes out of his break, the ball's there and the defender can't defend that. There's a, the point is there's a reason Drew Brees has a completion percentage as high as it is. And part of it is because he's just an incredible quarterback, of course. But what happens when you take an incredible quarterback with incredible accuracy and then you incorporate these principles? You get record high completion percentages, numbers that, are, that you would assume are almost never going to be broken. The number of errant passes from Drew Brees are are as close to zero as you're ever going to see. And the numbers on this are are really indisputable. Now, there's no question when you start talking about what Aaron Rodgers likes to do and Mike McCarthy constantly talked about doing, which was the big plays, we need the big plays. When you break down guys that do more big plays, they tend to have more touchdowns, more yards, but they also tend to have more incompletions, more stalled-out drives. I mean, like you didn't know that. More interceptions, and surprisingly, despite the more yards and touchdowns, a slightly lower overall quarterback rating. And so while I understand the need for big plays on a football team and in you know being able to do that at times, I do like this push toward and we'll see how it goes with Aaron Rodgers and, and you know, this whole thing working out, but just trying to get the ball out quickly. I think it's gonna make do wonders for Aaron Rodgers. But the second quickest in 2019, as far as the ball coming out of somebody's hand, was Drew Brees. Andy Dalton was number one, 2.51 seconds. Drew Brees, 2.57 seconds. Uh, if, If you want an example of how this is going to look, I actually think the Chicago Bears offense is very similar to what Matt LaFleur is going to be doing. Mitch Trubisky is the is an artist in terms of just getting the ball out quickly. It's all they do. Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Mitch Trubisky are almost exact same 264 for Mitch Trubisky, 265 for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a very similar style of offense. We run the ball, we throw quick short little passes. However, again, Mitch Trubisky some of the most beautiful throws and some of the some of the times at which you're the most scared that maybe he's turning this around are that one time when they take a shot down the field and he puts it right in the basket down the sideline. And I think the only reason those are successful so often is because the defense is caught off guard. They very rarely do that. They're constantly carving you up, and yes, I'm talking about the Bears, in these little short, quick game passes. Same with the 49ers. Dumping it off to Juszczyk. Dumping it off to Kittle. Tom Brady wasn't too far behind. At 2.75, the ball would come out. Carson Wentz, 2.71. I mean, These are all very similar styles of offense. Aaron Rodgers had the one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth slowest uh, as far as getting the ball out of his hands. 2.88. Kirk Cousins is the absolute slowest at three seconds, which slight little rabbit trail here might be part of the reason the Packers had success against. You get a lot of big plays when you sit in the pocket that long, as the Vikings do, but you also make yourself much more susceptible to teams that have pretty good pass rush. And so when you look at Preston and Zedarius and Kenny getting as many sacks as they did against the Vikings, it might be in their best interest to try to change that up a little bit if I was, you know, in charge of the Vikings offense. Can't sit in the pocket for more than three seconds as a season average. He's the only one that was over three and uh, expect to not be assaulted by Zadarius Smith. But again, uh, this isn't just moving toward a Shanahan system. This is moving toward what works in the NFL. This is the kind of stuff that keeps defensive coordinators up at night. How do you stop this? Now, part of it is getting the right personnel, which is what we're trying to do with the tight end, which is also why those are so important, and the running backs and all these guys that help you between 0 and 10 yards. It's these little quick slip-out plays where somebody looks like they're blocking and then they slip out into the flat and they just pick up a quick 6-yard. It'll drive you nuts. It keeps their defense on the field. It tires out their defense on these longer drives. You stretch the field more horizontally right more laterally which really puts a lot of stress on the defensive line who has to go chase them over and over and over again it's not just pushing straight back we swing it out to the sideline and you got to get on your horse and get to the sideline you get these 310 pound guys trying to do that for by the end of the first quarter they're gassed same goes for the linebackers you can't just stand in the middle of the field and wait if i throw it out to the sideline you better get out there and go get them it spreads out the defense more right it's just the the, the packers are way too one-dimensional We run the ball, and we throw the ball deep down the field. So the linebackers really just have to stop the run when it's a run, blitz when they're told to blitz, otherwise they get to stand in their zone. But you really stress this thing and stretch it out and force people to chase. Again, our offense stays on the field, our defense stays fresh, their defense gets tired out, longer, more sustained drives, keep them off balance, and when you're able to do a bunch of things as opposed to just doing one or two things that works, the defense is going to have a lot less opportunity to key in on anything. You can double Devontae all you want. We don't even need to throw to him if we don't want to. We're going to. But, I mean, if that's what you want to do, fine. We can carve you up a million different ways. And and that's what the Packers used to do, but just in a different way. We had a more downfield aerial assault with five amazing wide receivers. We don't have that, and I know Packer fans are still somewhat upset about that. But we can still do that. It's just going to look a little bit different. So, again, Game Pass is still free. If you want to get a look at what that looks like, Actually, one of the better examples, I went and looked on a week-by-week basis, look at Jimmy Garoppolo in Week 5 of last year. Jimmy Garoppolo got the ball out of his hands in 2.23 seconds. Now, there were a lot of drop passes and nonsense I went and watched about the first quarter, but that's just a general feel for what Matt LaFleur is building toward. And I'm just saying this to get you excited about it. It's not because we're trying to, to be the 49ers necessarily and, oh, look, that we're not the 49ers because they have this and we don't have this. This is an aspect of the offense that has worked for a lot of different teams. Including the New Orleans Saints. If you want to see a contrast to that, to what the Packers have been doing, that doesn't quite work. Watch Aaron Rodgers in Week One. He got the ball out 3.05 seconds on average in Week One. Watch those two games, and you'll see the difference of where the Packers are compared to where they need to be. Or better yet, watch um, Aaron Rodgers in just about any of the playoff games, but especially against Seattle. I know we won both of those games, but it's, it's 3.16 seconds. That's that's a crazy long time. <laughs> So, I, you know, again, I just hope this happens. I just want to see it. I think it could be a beautiful thing to really simplify it to that degree, to not have to have almost every single throw. It's almost like his first read is always a 15-yard pass. And because of the the talent level of our receivers, they're usually not wide open. So it's a matter of, is he willing to thread the needle down the sideline or wherever he is? Usually the answer is no, and then if it is, it's not caught probably. And all the scrambling around and just... I mean, every play, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. Please, somebody get open. Please, somebody get... Oh, he's running again. He's going to throw it... out Yeah, he threw it out of bounds. Okay. I just want to see a clockwork offense, man. I just want to see a team that looks like this isn't hard. Because every play over the last couple years has looked so hard. It looks like Aaron Rodgers is just doing everything in his power to just try to move the ball anywhere he can. And again, look at some of these other offenses. That doesn't look hard. It's almost infuriating for me as a Packer fan to watch, for example, the New England Patriots offense for so many years. He's just dumping it off to wide open guys. Like, why can't we just have guys? How? What are they doing? How can we not just copy that? I, I, to this day, I don't understand that. They just have a guy run on a slant route that's open, and they'll do it over and over and over again. Like, what? What is that? Right? You watch the 49ers, and they just slip the tight end out, and they got a linebacker that has to run from five yards away to try to catch up to him. Of course, he can't get there in time. It's like, why? Why don't we just do that? How can they stop us from doing that? But not the 40. I don't. I don't understand. Point is, though, it just it looks easy because it kind of is. It's the head coach who knows what he's doing to call the right plays at the right time, to stress the right people in the right area. These are the easiest throws in the world when they're wide-open guys. I want Rodgers to have that. Hey, there's a guy five yards away that's wide open. Maybe I should just give it to him. That'd be cool. All right, here you go, bud. I want people making videos about how Aaron Rodgers is garbage because look at how wide-open his guys are all the time. Be like, yep, you're right. He's terrible. (laughs) Don't even care. He's terrible all the way to the Super Bowl. Go ahead and make all the videos you want, bud. And again, on those occasions in which we decide to take a shot, Rodgers has all the arm talent in the world to make that work. But just for the most part, we're just grinding our way down the field. I'm excited for it. I look forward to it. I hope we can get it done. And, and as a reminder, part of the reason we went out and got guys like A.J. Dillon and Josiah Deguara instead of a guy like Jalen Rager is because Jalen Rager is the downfield assault guy. Deguara and A.J. Dillon are the short field assault guy, running the ball a lot, is an A.J. Dillon thing. Having a tight end slip out and catch a pass and run for nine yards is a DeGuara thing, not a Jalen Rager thing. Not saying we couldn't use another wide receiver, and the Packers did try, but it's not that big of an urgent. It's not that urgent of a thing, and I think DeGuara is more important to this style of offense and making what I'm saying work than Dr- Jalen Rager is. Not that he wouldn't be a big help, but he's going to help us do the same wrong things over and over again. Like, hey, there's a guy wide up, oh, he's going to Jalen again. Okay. As I've said now a hundred times, the Packers did help Aaron Rodgers. You can't draft a running back, a tight end, and three offensive linemen and say he did nothing for Aaron Rodgers. That's in, that's all offense. They didn't draft a defensive player until, what, the fifth round? Then they went and got three offensive linemen and then got two guys in the seventh round? This is all about helping the offense, which in as a result is about helping Aaron Rodgers. It's not the way you wanted to do it. It's not the way I wanted to do it, but it's what they're doing. The way that Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur think would best benefit this offense, and I, I can understand where they're coming from on that. And again, this is just a matter of how much is Aaron Rodgers going to play ball with this. I hope to a large degree. Um. Anyways, wanted to get that out there. I did say that Patreon would be doing a giveaway, so we need to do that. However, I don't think the plan right now is going to be to make a new t-shirt i mean i I, there is a new t-shirt by the way if you want to check it out go in the facebook group or on twitter you can see it um it's pretty hilarious but what i'm going to do is just i'm going to do a giveaway uh we'll do it after the break i haven't done it yet but we'll we'll do it and the winner will be able to just pick something from the store any t-shirt that you want if you want to get involved in the giveaways and or just help out the show patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that if you are opposed to patreon as some are there are some other options in the uh in the comments venmo and whatnot but anyways why don't we take a break come back and talk about mr rona and a little bit of quarterback news we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Alrighty, ready. Little drum roll, drum roll here. No, I'm not going to actually get one because I don't care that much. Go through the number generator. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The winner of the Aprilish, Mayish Packernet T-shirt giveaway is Ms. Wendy Vance. Come on down. You you don't have to. Call. I'll send it to you. It's fine. I mean, you can. I don't know. Maybe if you live nearby, just I'll send it to you. It's fine. So Wendy, if and when you hear this, um, head over to the Teespring store. If you don't know where that is, there is a link in the description. Should be anyways. Pick out the shirt you want. Size, color, all that good stuff, let me know, and I'll get it sent out to you. Again, if anybody wants to get involved in uh, said giveaways, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. All right, let's talk quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky seemingly is on the way out. Now, it's not 100% a guarantee, but the Bears had the opportunity to exercise his fifth-year option, and they chose not to do so. If you are a first-round draft pick, teams have the ability to... um Pay a fifth year option so that they get to keep you for a fifth year. It's usually pretty expensive, which is why you gotta really make this decision and it's not just a flippant little thing, like, yeah, of course, one more year, what do I care? It's expensive. And so it would be a legitimate investment in Mitch Trubisky, although still nowhere near what a starting quarterback would cost. Which is why if they had any faith in him at all, you probably just pay the guy. But the fact of the matter is they have signed Nick Foles. It is a it is a three year contract. And it is structured as such that there's no way he's going to be going anywhere until maybe 2022, which is the last year of his contract. Even then, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he's got a $9.3 million cap hit and a $6.3 million dead cap hit, meaning if you caught him, you save $3 bucks out of 9 I mean, if he's just absolutely horrible and you hate him, sure, go ahead. But the bottom line is Foles is there for two years, probably three So they have a bigger investment in 31-year-old Nick Foles than they do in Mitchell Trubisky at this point. There is a scenario in which they do decide to keep Mitch Trubisky, which now that they've declined his fourth-year option, that would mean that after after this year offer him a real starting quarterback contract, which would mean that they've completely bungled this whole situation. Again, all the more reason to believe they fully anticipate moving on from him. Because if there's any chance that you're going to be paying him beyond this year, the fifth-year option is your best option. Which also goes to tell me that they're probably as most people expected going to be starting Nick Foles with the intention of him assuming he's healthy playing the entire year Nick Foles is currently the answer Mitch Trubisky is the backup in case Nick Foles gets hurt which is the only chance that Mitch Trubisky has in my opinion none of this is fully 100% guaranteed but the only way I see this working out is Nick Foles gets hurt Mitch Trubisky comes in he does a very very good job drags the team to the playoffs Dominant performance, and the Bears are like, All right, I guess he turned the corner. We're gonna have to pay him. That's the only way I could see this happening. Which, to be fair, Nick Foles does have a bit of an injury history, but this is it's a good and bad day for Packers fans. It's a good day because it's sort of the final admission from Bears fans. Which, remember, it was less than two years ago when I did almost the entire offseason trying to convince people that Mitch Trubisky is not good. Remember, in Mitch Trubisky's second year, Everybody told you that he had taken a big step, and I was telling you no, he did not. Everybody said he took a massive step from year one to year two. Bears fans are like, "Oh man, this is going to be a huge year." Mitch Trubisky's the man; he's so good. 2019 was the year in which I was proven correct on that issue. I think you'd be hard pressed to find too many people that had said what I said—that Mitch Trubisky did not get better. In fact, there's a, there's an argument to be made that he took a step back in his second year, and here we are after one year of proving that he's not the guy everybody thought he was going to be, that he didn't take a step forward, that he's not getting better, and the Bears and the Bears fans have finally essentially come to the conclusion that it's time to move on. And the Nick Foles thing could be a bit of a blessing, because I do believe Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, and as much as I don't want to lose to the Bears as a result of Nick Foles being there, I also don't want the Bears to completely collapse, because there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming up. And they do have a first-round pick this year. So if they get anywhere within the top 10, they've got a real shot at getting a quarterback. And I just don't want... I don't want to have to go through this again of being worried that we're about to have 10, 15 years of dominance from the Bears because they got a really good quarterback. Because that that that's a danger, right? The Bears are going to be looking for a quarterback soon. The Vikings relatively soon. I know they extended Cousins, but that time is coming. The Lions, at some point, are going to be looking to move on from staff. It's scary. I don't want them getting a good quarterback. And so while it was fun that they had Mitch Trubisky, who was a failure, it kind of scares me. i What I want for them is to get a guy that's decent, kind of like Nick Foles. He's decent but you're not really scared of him. I think that's why we all like Jay Cutler so much. He was good enough that they wouldn't move on from him, but he was just kind of not a good quarterback, especially against the Packers. It was it was the absolute perfect quarterback. Good enough to win games, but just refused to beat the Packers. Just fantastic. Love that man. The other benefit is the Bears have not done a good job of keeping from moving backwards i'm going to say that as gently as i can because i could go the opposite direction and say they're falling apart but that's a little bit overly dramatic they still have a good defense they still have some good pieces out there but they are continuing to decline so the hope is even if they do go out and get a quarterback that's decent by the time they get him up and ready to go this is a, a team that is nowhere near what it was i mean alan robinson is in the last year of his career of his contract now he might get another one but he's gonna he's gonna want a lot of money and the bears are not in a great cap situation right now because they spend so much money going out and getting free agents who most of which are not very good but he's about to get really expensive or be gone either way i'm happy as a packers fan khalil mack has a lot of years left on his uh on his deal but he's 29 years old i think last year was the first year you could say you saw maybe a glimmer of a step back just a hint and so the chicago bears are going to have khalil mack as he begins to decline i doubt he's ever going to be a terrible prospect he's just an athletic freak to the point where he's always going to be pretty good but he's also going to be very expensive for a long time so if he's there their salary cap is going to struggle 26 million dollars in 2020 26 million he was less than 12 million last year it jumped to 26.6 this year it's 26.6 next year it's 27 in 2022 it's 25 and a half in 2023 And in 2024, it would be 23.25 million. He'll be 33 years old. I doubt he's even on the team at that point. Makeem Hicks has got two years left, and he's 30 years old. Kyle Fuller, I don't think many people agree with me, but it's absolutely true. He's not a good football player in this system. If they were to trade him to the Denver Broncos, maybe. Go put him back with Vic Fangio. He's not very good in this system. He was a bust of a first-round pick for a long time until Vic Fangio came over here, changed the system, and then he was a freak for one year. Fangio left, and he fell back off again. By the way, he's got one year left on his deal. So again, the the clock is ticking. These guys are going to be leaving. These guys are going to be getting worse. Even if I'm wrong about Kyle Fuller, he's 28. So how old is he going to be by the time they get their next great quarterback starting in this role? Two years, so he'll be 30. You think Kyle Fuller is going to be a great quarterback cornerback at 30 when he's never really been a good cornerback outside of one year under Vic Fangio? Akeem Hicks will be 32 years old, probably gone. Khalil Mack will be what, 31? Allen Robinson is maybe not even on the team anymore. The, the The bottom line, the timing is not great here. Their window was two years ago. Last year would have been an opportune time as well, although their defense took a big step back. A top-tier offense still could have at least made a little bit of a push, and they that, that window then closed. And the defense and this team is going to continue to erode. And that's every, every team continues to erode every year, but the difference is the Chicago Bears have not really had any draft picks. And they spent their first, second-round pick on a tight end, of which they already have a ton of those. I mean, it kind of makes sense for the Chicago Bears. Again, similar to the Green Bay Packers, a tight end is really important, especially when you don't have very good quarterbacks. But they've got key critical pieces that are going to be leaving. Anyways, we'll see how it goes, because the window isn't entirely closed. we got to see how good this defense is going to be. They did go out and get another edge rusher, so maybe. If they can have a little bit of a bounce back year, you know, second year with this defensive coordinator... Foles maybe has a better year, is able to give Allen Robinson somewhat of a competent quarterback to play with. They got a running back in his second year. Maybe. I don't want to get too lippy because they might have a good year. I'm just saying things are kind of going in our favor. That's all I'm saying. Additionally, um, Andy Dalton was signed by the Dallas Cowboys. I know it's not really directly Packers news, but I do think it's kind of interesting. And I think the one thing it says, a lot of people are pointing to the fact that they're trying to get leverage over Dak. I don't really think that's true. I think the Cowboys are 100,000% ready to go all in. They have been for a while. And I've been saying this for a couple years now about Jerry Jones. I think Jerry Jones recognizes, as morbid as it sounds, that his time is drawing to a close and he wants a Super Bowl desperately. And he will do anything and everything he can. I think he communicated that to Mike, which is why he wanted a veteran coach. We're going to win a Super Bowl. And this is an insurance policy in case their quarterback gets hurt. They want a guy that if if our quarterback gets hurt, we can kind of keep clicking along here. It's not over with because he's gone and so we went and stacked our weapons at wide receiver with our running back and we're just going to push all we're we're pushing all the chips in every opportunity they have to push all the chips in if there's a team that's willing to absolutely destroy the future to win a super bowl now it's the cowboy and as much as mike mccarthy might look at that as not a great opportunity or a great situation because he wants to be there for the long term He also isn't exactly the youngest coach in the world and would probably love to just get another Super Bowl. So both of these guys probably have no problem pushing all in right now. Mike McCarthy gets to come back, prove that he's still the man. So it's kind of watch out for the Dallas Cowboys territory because most teams are at least going to be somewhat cautious about making sure that you protect the future. I don't think the Cowboys are. I don't think the Cowboys care at all about the future. Jerry Jones, as much control as he has, depending on how much control he has, I think if a magic genie popped up, it was kind of a weird genie that was like, I'll give you something, but I get to take something. And Jerry's like, all right, I want a Super Bowl. He's like, all right, here's the deal. I'll give you a Super Bowl, but then I'm going to burn this franchise to the ground. And your kids get nothing. Jerry wouldn't even flinch. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. How about this? Two Super Bowls. You can burn the franchise and my children's houses. All right? How's that for a deal? Jerry is hungry. That's scary. It's, it's, I mean, he's, he's willing to be reckless. Much more so than the Packers are. So that, that was my thought on that, and I, I've been thinking that about the Cowboys for a while, and, and so when they made this move, it made sense more from the perspective of protecting the, the season against an injury than it does any kind of leverage you get against Dak. Which, by the way, the reason Dak is holding out, I, I'm assuming, is because him and his agent know this information as well. They know that Andy Dalton is no risk. They're not going to let him walk because they want to win desperately now. And so he's willing to hold out as long as it takes because they're going to pay him. They need a quarterback. Jerry Jones is not going to say, forget it, let him walk, and then not have a quarterback and go through this process, which could take two, three, five, ten 10 years to find a replacement quarterback to make this thing. He doesn't have that much time. Again, I don't mean to sound morbid. I'm just trying to get inside the head of Jerry Jones. He wants to win now. Dak knows it. Dak's agent know it. And they're saying, listen, if you want to win, and if you, unless you have another option outside of me, which they don't, you're going to pay me. You're going to pay me more than I'm worth. And the Cowboys will probably, you know, that, that, that's why they're holding out. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. And they're going to wait for their other option. There was rumors about them going after Tom Brady. Whether or not any of that was true, it kind of makes sense. You bring in a guy like Tom, you don't have to deal with Dak, and who cares about the future? If there were any possible rumblings about a quarterback... I mean, Aaron Rodgers would make a lot of sense. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying, let's say it was a possibility. Let's just say after this year, for whatever reason, things didn't work out between Rodgers and the Packers. If there's any team willing to give up a first-round pick and then some, it's the Cowboys, because this is our guy. He's going to help us get a Super Bowl. We'll pay him whatever it takes to get him. You know, I mean, obviously, he's already got the contract, which is what we're buying, but we can up that if we need to. Plus, there's a connection with Rodgers, and the point is, that's where the Cowboys are at right now. They're going scorched earth. So, Anyways, final thing I wanted to talk about. I mentioned yesterday that um, all I'm interested in is information. And I don't really care who packages it. And that's why I'm going to bring you an article by Mr. Mike Florio. Now, Mike Florio is a very big fan of the vikings and really really does not like the packers i mentioned how most of these guys don't actually have bias they just that's a shtick i don't think that's the case with florio he pretends he doesn't have a bias but he absolutely does he can't stand the Packers; extremely biased no friend of packer fans however again he wrote an article that i think has good information i'm going to take the information regardless of who wrote it so that's what we're going to do here today yesterday 18 hours ago according to this article mike florio published an article entitled, Extremely Small Chance There Will Be No NFL Season in 2020. It was funny because I was literally just talking to my wife about what are we going to do if there's no NFL season. It was not a fun conversation. Like, am I going to stop the podcast? Like, what, just what, what are we, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And as we're talking about it, I saw this pop up. Let me read to you the first paragraph here. I'll read quite a bit, but let's start with it. The ongoing pandemic has created plenty of confusion as science has mixed with politics and as news has been filtered and slanted by media outlets and personalities more concerned about pandering to political viewpoints on both sides than the truth that's very true however he says within the nfl there's little or no confusion football season will happen now it's interesting because one of the reasons and a lot of people have messaged me like well it doesn't matter anyway there's no season that's possible I got the impression really, really, really early on that Roger Goodell has no intention of canceling this season. Unless the political and and pressure from, I guess, society or whatever is so fierce that he literally can't, he's going to do everything within his power to make sure there's a season. And I think he was lucky that the season is when it was because as quickly as, as basketball and some of these other sports dropped out, I think he would have held on as long, if not longer, than the XFL. Goodell has been very consistent in his in terms of what I'm trying to read between the lines and obviously the draft he was very there's a lot of words about concern and and all that stuff but I I got the impression every time I've heard him speak about anything that he fully intends to push this as hard as he can to make sure there's a season Continuing on with the article, it says, Per sources with direct knowledge of both the NFL's deliberations and the current and expected medical and scientific developments in the coming weeks and months, there is an quote, extremely small chance that there will be a no NFL season in 2020. And I'll be honest, I think that makes perfect sense. Roger, Again, putting all the pieces together, Roger Goodell fully intends for this season to begin. The NFL owners want this season to begin. Lots and lots and lots of money on the line, and I don't mean to just make that sound like it's all about greed, but it is a strong push. The, the desire to make sure that there's a season unless the in other words we're not canceling unless we 100,000 percent have to and that's when you add in the second piece which is the medical and scientific developments we've seen over the last days and weeks are pointing to by the time the season is about here or close to we're going to be at a point where it's going to be okay to start allowing things like football to start even if that means we got to push it back a week two weeks three weeks four weeks and in this article they talk about potentially, depending on how these things are structured, they could push it back as far as five or six weeks. And so this is, listen, this is good news. One of the things I can't stand is when good news comes out and people get mad because it doesn't suit your agenda. Take the good news and be happy about it and stop being a dummy. How dare you tell me good news? That's not what I expect to hear. Shut it. You want to know what's good news? The fact that every single place that has been tested for these antibody tests has has painted one picture. And that picture is way more people have gotten this virus than we thought, which means the death rate and the critical nature of this is way lower than we thought. The most recent tests that were done were in New York City. 25% of the people that were tested had it. Now, that doesn't mean 25% of everybody in the city has had it, because it's possible that the numbers are off slightly. But just to give you a sense of proportion what that means, if 25% of New York City has gotten this disease already, we're talking about 2.1 million people in New York, just New York City, have contracted this disease. And by the way, the CDC has uh, lowered the numbers of, of actual deaths. The newest CDC numbers say that New York City has had 11,400 deaths. Just basic math would mean this is a 0.5% mortality rate. Again, those aren't the exact numbers, but all the new information, with, with things beginning to go in the other direction, more people having got this than we thought, very few hospitals being overrun if if any i work at a hospital in wisconsin we we we're just it's just an empty building there's no people there there's no patients there's no nothing the point is all of the information is pointing to this this is getting better it's far less severe than we had hoped which is a good thing it's not something to be angry about it's a great great information and it all points to the fact that we're starting to we, we we should be about ready to start coming out of this maybe not this week maybe not this month but it's it's the beginning of may We've got May, we've got June, we've got July, we've got August. That is a long four months. is a long time, so you know a lot of stuff can happen. And I know there's potential about this thing coming back. That's not the point, though. If twenty five percent of people have already gotten it, there's the element of herd immunity. So if by August sixty percent of the people have gotten it, we're we're in a situation where even if it comes back, it's not going to be a, a serious situation. It's not going to be something worthy of of creating mass shutdowns over. So I've been asked several times, and I've avoided it because I don't know the answer. Because I, every time something happens, it's it's not what I would have expected. And um, I obviously have no idea what's going to happen in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised if we get more strict, and we, we're already starting to see more you know, regulations and things to try to make sure that things don't get overwhelmed. But my point is, four months from now, very small chance, as Florio said, that this is to a degree that we need to cancel the NFL season. That isn't to say that these stadiums aren't going to be half empty because people are too scared to go. But I don't think the NFL cares. The NFL cares about there being an NFL season and getting that television revenue. And whatever we can get from fans wanting to show up, fine. We'll take it. Again, if good news gets you angry, that's your problem. But all the information we're getting is good news. Everything points to there being the possibility and likelihood of having an NFL season. And I'm hoping everyone's excited about that. But again, if you want to take that, twist it into something political, and get angry, that's on you. That's not how my mind works. So anyways, get excited. Things can change, and if they do, I will uh, talk about it. But as of right now, we are going to operate under the assumption that there will be an NFL season, because that's how the NFL is operating right now. They are assuming there will be an NFL season. Possibly pushed back, but uh, currently, it's going down. So anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.